0: I'm David Manilow, and welcome to The Dining Table, a place where we gather to share all the good things in life. In a minute, I'll introduce you to a new way to rate a meal. Also, Ali Moradi will join us from the Crane's newsroom, and she'll report on a chain establishment that's going to make Chicago its 39th location. And that should offend me, but I'll tell you why it doesn't. Plus, do you want to have your own booze locker? I'll talk with social club creator Kim Bossy about how you can get one.
1: And it used to be kind of like you had this home that was your sanctuary and it was your place to go to escape. But now it's like people need to escape from home. So it is definitely a big um, evolution.
0: I went to a new spot that's getting a lot of buzz. It's called Ragadan. It's at 4409 North Broadway. It's owned by Dan's Vice, who uh, is an accomplished chef around Chicago. And it's really a Jordanian falafel shop, but it also has burgers. Um, it makes sense because Dan's parents grew up in Jordan, but he grew up in Oklahoma, so he kind of combines the two things. And the first time I went, I picked up a couple sandwiches to go. Uh, They have a 15-minute parking right in front from where you can put your flashers on. I think there's three spots. I got a fried eggplant sandwich with hummus and egg and pickles. Kind of messy, don't eat it in the car, but very good. And I also got a Double Dan burger with cheese, an excellent burger. I can see why people um, like this spot. The next time I went, I decided to uh, eat inside, so I didn't want to really take the um, to-go parking with the 15 minutes, so I parked right in front at a meter spot. It could be in and out in 20 minutes, I figure, uh, so I didn't pay the meter. And I got a stuffed falafel with sumac, caramelized onions, hummus, and pickles in a pita, and it was excellent. Really, really good. As I predicted, I was in and out of there in 20 minutes. I hopped onto Lake Shore Drive, and then I saw the familiar sight of an orange Chicago parking ticket flapping on my windshield that I didn't even notice. So it got me thinking, is this place ticket worthy? I don't think any $9 sandwich can be worth a $50 Chicago parking ticket. And, you know, shame on me. I don't know why they're giving me a ticket on uh, Broadway and Montrose in 20 minutes, but welcome to the big city. But I will say I could be wrong about places being ticket worthy because about 10 years ago, I was on Lower Wacker, retrieving my towed car. It's not a fun place to be. People are generally angry, except for the woman in front of me, who was paying her fine, peeling out cash. And she had a to-go bag from Magianos. And the cashier looked at the woman and said, oh, are you coming from lunch? She goes, yeah, it was so fantastic, in fact, It was worth even getting my car towed. So she's saying Magianos is tow-worthy. That's some food love right there. Food and restaurant reporter Ali Morati joins me now to talk about the latest in the food scene. Hey, Ali, how's it going?
2: It's going great, David. How are you?
0: I'm great. You know, I've been noticing like a trend lately. It's the arrival in Chicago of the mini-chains. So sure, there's been like, chains that have come forever from all over the country. But now I see this this kind of new trend that there's these places that are starting in Austin or Miami or L.A. or New York, and there's only a few of them, and they're coming to Chicago, and you have one to report on that's coming to uh, Wrigleyville.
2: I do, yeah. So Alamo Draft House Cinema is opening its first Chicago location in Wrigleyville on January 27th. And if you don't know Alamo Draft House, it got started in Austin in 1997, built up a reputation around the country as a place that, you know, they serve from scratch food, they're uh, Server sort of dress like ninjas and all black so they can sneak in with your food and not disrupt your movie watching. Um, but you order your food and drink, it gets delivered right to your seat and you eat it and drink it during. That's something that we see in other movie theaters nowadays, but this was started in 1997, which I think puts it into perspective a bit. But um, this will be the 39th location for Alamo Draft House. Wow. And you know, I asked him why Wrigleyville. So the founder's name is Tim League. and he said, that they've been eyeing Chicago for a very long time because it's such a big city. You can have a really diverse platform of films from foreign films, documentaries, indies, blockbusters, etc. It works really well in big cities like Chicago, which has a great film audience. But Wrigleyville was not necessarily of his choosing. And what happened there is that Cinemark built the space uh, COVID 19 basically shut them down. They never opened in there. And so Alamo Draft House was basically able to come in and they didn't have to build out a whole new theater. There was already a kitchen there. There was already a bar there. They're able to use that. The interesting slash fun part, I think, is that all these Alamo draft houses have their own cocktail bars, which again, not super unusual nowadays. I know Logan Theater, for example, has its own bar, so you can go have a debrief after your movie. But this one's going to be themed like an 80s movie rental store. <laughs> and you can actually rent movies in there. You can v- VHSs and DVDs. Love it. Yeah.
0: That's, so. that's wild.
2: And then the cocktails will be themed as such.
0: So they were ahead of the times as far as like people just staying home and watching Netflix or whatever. I watched a movie last night. I watched Tar, which is brand new. i heard sure it's going to be a nominated for Academy Award or whatever. You know, rented it for five ninety nine. dollars I think. Sat at home, watched the two-hour movie. It's interesting. How often do you go to movie theaters? That's my question to you.
2: I love going to movie theaters. I've cut way back since the pandemic, though, for sure. But I will do the thing, like I'll pay 20 bucks to rent a movie if it's a new movie, like The Banshees of Inna Sheeran, you know, that one that came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did that. I think we paid, I don't know, 15 bucks or something to rent it. Um, but we make an evening of it, you know, we make make yourself dinner, open a bottle of wine, that sort of thing. But to, to our point, right, that we're making here about these new habits we've all developed since the pandemic, theaters in general had a really rough go of things during the pandemic. AMC Entertainment in 2020 they reported a net loss of 4.6 billion dollars. Right, even at the end of 2021, which was two years into the pandemic, right, more than 600 cinemas around the country were still closed. That's a lot. Now I don't know what the latest number is. How many of those have reopened? How many went out of business? But Alamo Draft House's revenue is at about 75 or 80 percent of 2019 levels, so not fully recovered there. The founder's optimistic. You know, he says that 2023, there's a great slate of films coming out and they do interesting things where, some of the food specials might be themed for the movie. They don't do trailers at the beginning. So if you're going to watch a Marvel movie, maybe they'll fill you in on what's going on in the Marvel universe, like a little movie summary or whatever. Um, so he was saying, we don't view streaming as our enemy, our real competitors, are comedy clubs and restaurants, etc. cetera, things that get you out of the house. So I thought that was an interesting perspective that I don't know if other movie theaters are taking this nowadays too, where it's like, we're not going to be the ones that get you out of the house. If you're going to come, you're going to come. We just want to make sure you come to the movies instead of Second City or whatever.
0: Right. And they're offering a social experience, too. And they're offering something like one-stop shopping and something cool. And It sounds like a place that a lot of Chicagoans will just try. And if they like it, they'll go back.
2: Well, I think there's a lot of people here, too, that like have lived in Austin before or are familiar with the brand. This is the 39th location. So they've got yeah. locations all over the country.
0: You know, I was talking about the mini chains. You know, last week on on the podcast, I did two ramen restaurants, Q Ramen and Rockin' Ramen. Q Ramen's out of New York. But I've also, last week, I was at Yardbird, which started in Miami. That's on Wabash. There's Planta Queen, which is in Toronto and Miami. It's a vegan mini chain. The Jose Andres restaurants, they're all over the place. And then there's two new ones that are both coming that are 17-course Omakasi sushi restaurants, one's called Sushi by Scratch, and that's out of LA, and one's called Sushi Bar, which is also out of Austin, that are coming to Chicago soon. So I just, I, you know, I remember years ago, you know, you'd, you'd get to Shaw or, you, you know, you get Capital Grill, you get places like that that have, but, but the smaller ones, the ones that like used to come out of New York and Chicago would be like their second location, they were not welcomed with open arms. And I think some of these kind of are, I don't know if it's Instagram. I don't know if it's, you know, just you want to go to the hot new places, but I do think something's changing in town where you're seeing a lot more of these.
2: First of all, Chicago is always a top destination for these places. Whenever I write about these places that they're opening their first location in Chicago, I always ask the why Chicago question. And it's sort of like a duh question, right? This is the third largest city in the country. We've got really diverse population, really interesting neighborhood scenes, you know, a lot of people with disposable income, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, really great restaurant scene for that matter. Everybody feels really lucky to come to Chicago. And I think you're right about this. And this was the conversation I had when I was writing about the cookie place that just opened over in Fulton Market. I'm blanking on the name right now.
0: Oh, yeah, I know the with the giant cookies. Yes,
2: with the giant cookies, uh, Levain Bakery. Mm hmm. To your point, Instagram famous. They were selling in stores, but ended up pulling that back because of inflation, because the price got so high. And they used that as a jumping off point, like they were selling in Foxtrot. You know, they're taking bake cookies, getting people familiar with their brand. So then, even though they pulled those off the shelves and they opened a store here, they were like, "We know people are going to wait an hour in line for our cookies." Literally, when I talked to experts for the story, they were telling me, you know chicago was not always a place where the customers would accept the out-of-town businesses especially in a place like randolph right in the west loop where you've got a bunch of other really great bakeries around you know you've got sugar goat you've got et cetera et cetera over there so yeah i think the sentiment is changing a little bit
0: yeah because i i'm telling you back in the day if you came from new york it was almost like something like I didn't want to go to. We, you know, we don't need you here. And let me say one last thing about Alamo because all these other places I'm
2: mentioning, it's like their
0: fifth location, third location. And, and we're t- 39th location. Really? 39th? 39th? We're 39th on your list. Yeah. Okay.
2: And you know, that's a great point actually, because we do have, I mean, the, the theater scene here is very rich. Ah. A lot of independent places, you know, you've got, music box you've got all these different places that show indie films that do these different things that have a bar inside so it, it will be interesting to see what happens
0: oh so i'm i'm shifting my my criticism i'm saying i'm taking it as a compliment to chicago that they were never here because we have too much great stuff to do and they could just get lost in the shuffle ah well played yeah. well played alamo well played. <laughs> all right all right all right all right Great talking to you. Talk to you next week.
2: Yes. See you soon.
0: <laughs> I actually think that's
2: true. It probably is.
0: There are a lot of private clubs in Chicago. There's country clubs. There's the University Club, Union League Club, places like the Arts Club, Soho House, Birch Road. Birch Road? It's the only one of these that actually has two locations. And I'm here with the co-founder, Kim Bassi. Hey, Kim.
1: Hey, David. It's great to be
0: here. So you started Birch Road in uh, 2014 with an old friend of yours, who I think you grew up with somewhere in Northbrook on Birch Road. Is that correct?
1: That's correct.
0: Yep. It's kind of like Soho House started in Soho in, in London, Northbrook. Right. London.
1: <laughs> same thing. <laughs>
0: kind of the same thing. Some of these private clubs, you know, there's a lot of rigmarole of whether you're going to get accepted, being interviewed, being interviewed big fees, certain decorum. Yours is, a, yours is a little bit of anti that. So explain to people why you started and, and what it's like.
1: We actually, we prefer to call ourselves a neighborhood clubhouse, even though we are a private club, we're a social club, but we're so different from what people are used to when you say those terms. You know, when we first started this, it was really just to give ourselves and other people, an option other than going to a bar. You know, it was those nights where you're just like, great. I want to go out. I want to hang with my girls. Oh, I don't want to go to a bar or like, where can we go? And, and just wanting to have another option really when the bar scene wasn't what we were looking for. And, you know, looking at it and my background being hospitality and kind of coming up with this idea of this members social club, which, For sure, we are not the first people to come up with this idea. You know, I mean, definitely over many drunk nights, I know many people who have come to me and said, we were going to do this. We came up with this idea. And I was like, "Okay, but we did it. Um, (laughs) You know, it's it's a space. It's members only. It's a beautiful clubhouse. It's 100 percent BYOB. So there's no bartenders you know it's not the scene that you would get when you're looking at these other private clubs where they have dress codes and like you mentioned there's a certain amount of decorum, expectation and things like that where it's a lot of those clubs it's really about who you know to get in kind of thing like for us i always tell people like join birch road for yourself like we're neighborhood clubhouse members fingerprint in so they can come in anytime they can bring in guests they have their own locker that they stock with their favorite wine or spirits. And the club is always ready for them. So if they want to pop in to work for a little bit, we've got coffee. You just help yourself. You know, if you're coming after dinner, if you're with friends, you can pop by the club, open a bottle of wine. You just go to your locker and open the bottle of wine. Like you don't really need a bartender for that.
0: It's, it's, you know, it's very chill, right? People are very comfortable. And you said, You're hanging out with the girls, even though it's women owned, it's for everyone. And and tell me a little about your demographics. You have from the 20s to the 70s members, right?
1: That's accurate. Yeah. We do have a really wide range of members from all over the city, all walks of life. We do have a number of people, you know, in their 20s up through 70s. And they all kind of just have the same perspective of like, you know, I, I enjoy being out. And I enjoy meeting people and I enjoy having a bottle of wine with friends. But, you know, I don't necessarily always want to be in a bar for that. And that's just something that applies to a lot of people. But we are very mixed, 50-50 male-female, 50-50 coupled versus single. You know, most of our members are in the 30 to 50-year-old range and that kind of point in your life. But I think one of the cool things about Birch Road is people have that opportunity to meet people outside of their normal circles. It's not like when you're in tech and you go to like 1871 to work and all you're meeting are like tech people or like you're, you know, at Soho and it's lots of creative or, you know, those kind of even Union League, like all the clubs typically appeal to a certain profession. And one of the things about Road that I hear a lot is, you know, I meet so many interesting people and it's like, well, everybody's interesting if you just meet people (laughs) who are not like you. They're super interesting. (laughs)
0: And your locations are in uh, Roscoe Village and in Lincoln Park. And if anybody is looking for it, if if they decide to go down Armitage and just look for Birch Road, you're not going to really see it from the street.
1: It's a little hidden in plain sight. Yeah. Um, We're right on Armitage, Armitage and Racine, across from Tarantino's, which is generally, it's like an institution everybody knows. But that was our first club. It's kind of our flagship and we did actually put up a sign in 2020 after we reopened from COVID. Yeah. <laughs> that was the first time we ever put up a sign at any of the clubs. And that was kind of our big COVID coming out party because before that we were, we were pretty hidden. But it, it seemed like the right time to open up and let people know we were there. They needed more space. People were looking for ways to interact with other people in their community. Um, and so, yeah, we do have a little sign up there.
0: If you go back 20 years, you know, people's kind of homes or condos or apartments were, you know, where they entertained. And then there was a shift uh, for maybe millennials where the apartments got smaller and the amenities of the buildings got more robust. And it's partly because they just wanted to be out. And so now you kind of like you're only split the difference a little bit. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's it works for a lot of reasons. Like there are a lot of people in all the cities we're in, because we're in Chicago, we're in Denver now, we just opened in Denver, Um, we have a club in Seattle that we opened in 2019. And in all those cities, people are seeing the same things, which is rents are going up, apartments are getting smaller. Or on the flip side, if you're in a home, or you're, you know, you're a couple or family, it's like, home is now work. And it, it used to be kind of like, you had this home that was your sanctuary and it was your place to go to escape. But now it's like, people need to escape from home. So it is definitely a big um, evolution, but Birch road in Lincoln park has a dining room for 14 people. And I don't know a lot of people that have dining rooms for 14 people in the city of Chicago. And the members can use that anytime. They just, they book it. There's no additional cost. you know, their membership, like that's what the club is there for. Like, I like to say it's 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 a way to really continue and engage your social life without continuing to have to like spend, spend, spend.
0: And you talk about dining room or whatever. There's a drink component, which is really BYOB, which is, you know, which is smart in its own way because you can store your wine or your alcohol there. And of course, drinks are like everything else are getting more and more expensive when you go out to a bar or a restaurant. And you really have to bring food in from a you know neighborhood place, which is so easy these days anyway. right? So. People can eat there, but you're not full service in the sense that you don't have servers and you don't have bartenders and things like that.
1: Right. And that's how, you know, we're we're super different from a typical like social club. Like we don't have restaurants. We don't have a pool and a hotel or bartenders or servers. We do have staff. You know, we have a great staff that keeps the club clean and stocked. And we do a lot of events for the members, um, a lot of you know curated experiences of things that we think would be great that people need to know about, you know, so it might be a small winery that is in town, you know, the kind of thing where you like, you get to meet the winemaker of some small winery that you can only buy from direct or it's making 500 cases a year kind of thing, or it might be a local business. Like we've done stuff with other entrepreneurs in the city of Chicago, where we bring them in, we give them the opportunity to meet our members. Our members love the opportunity to learn about what they're doing. Um, But the takeout aspect is something I love as a small business owner, like the locations where we're at is an opportunity for us to help the businesses around us. You know, I mean, Roscoe is a great example of that because we're right at Roscoe and Damon. And that stretch is just booming with great restaurants right now. That are all locally owned. They're all small spots that, you know, our members love going to those restaurants and then come to the club or get takeout from the restaurants, eat at the club. You know, I don't compete with them. I'm just able to help them by bringing great people and keeping them in the neighborhoods, you know, versus I'm, I'm, downtown. I'm
0: confused. You, are you saying you love restaurants in Roscoe Village other than John's place? <laughs> to come I in, I love
1: John's place. <laughs> and full disclosure, John is my
0: brother, so I, I'm contractually obligated <laughs> to promote his restaurant. Whatever, whenever Roscoe Village is mentioned, uh, well, you may, you may have to rethink that with the other restaurants. You just, <laughs> you know, I, I I go in the way back, and I there's the there's the classic Groucho Marx line, you know, you never belong to a club that would have you as a member, and I I kind of always felt that way about myself, right? But your place, like. Everybody is welcome. I'm serious. And, and, and also, I, I just should let you know, I know a little bit about kind of like the application process at some of these other clubs because I was a founding member at uh, Soho House. I actually have to sit in the meetings to like vet other members, which was, I'm not going to go too deep in that. But it was very, very, very interesting.
1: <laughs> I have no doubt. Sure. <laughs> yeah, people ask all the time. I mean, for us, all you have to do is book a tour on the website. Oftentimes people will come in thinking or feeling like this is an interview that they're getting vetted, but we believe good community is good drinks and good conversation. You know, we do what we do. You come in and see the club. That is the space you're going to get every time we put on good events. Like we enjoy just sit around the table, sit around the bar, open some bottles and talk all night. There's no TVs in the clubs. There's no DJs. So People who come in and see it, who feel like this is what I need in my life, they make great members. They don't need to meet any other criteria. And it's proven to work. I mean, for eight years and we've grown. And honestly, as the membership grows, the clubs just keep getting better because we get more diverse. We get more people engaged and they bring great ideas. Like we're super member driven where they come to us and are like, oh, can we do a murder mystery party? Can we do an Amaro club? Hmm. We have a book club. And they asked if we could put in like a little lending library. You know, they're like, oh, I have all these books at home and I'd love to sh- swap books. And so boom, now at the Armitage Club, we have a little lending library because, wow. you know, it's that easy.
0: You, you you mentioned before that you're in Seattle and you just opened up Denver. So what's what's the cost per month for a member and what's the future of Birch Road?
1: So membership is $125 a month, um, and it's billed monthly, and it's a $60 enrollment. That's definitely a big difference that most people don't realize. Like, it's really easy. You can try it out. If it doesn't work for you, it's month to month. You can cancel anytime. The future of Birch Road, you know, I really see a future where what we're doing becomes more commonplace. I think other spaces that we're used to gathering with people are becoming more and more restrictive. And it's becoming more challenging to find those spaces that give us that flexibility. So, you know, honestly, whether it's Birch Road or it's other companies doing what we're doing, I hope that we have a world where Birch Road exists in every city across the country for all of our members. You know, I mean, we already get that between Seattle and Denver and Chicago, like member in Chicago traveling to Denver for a concert at Red Rocks or skiing or whatever. And it's like, hey, can I just stop at the Birch Road there? And it's like, absolutely, you know, boom, fingerprint on, go in anytime, enjoy. So having that opportunity for the members wherever they might be going um, is what I would love.
0: It's great. It's, It's very inclusive versus exclusive.
1: Yes, yes.
0: And I think a lot of those original clubs were in some ways were built on exclusivity.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a difference between providing a member community and we give like curated experiences versus like, a curated community, which I think is what a lot of other clubs are founded on. I mean, I think, you know, democratization of the private club experience is kind of our bottom line mission that having a a place where you feel like you belong makes everybody happier. So we want to just bring that to more people.
0: Well, congratulations, Kim, because I knew you back before the Birch Road
1: days. That's true.
0: And and, and I think the vision (laughs) is great and the execution is great. And, you know, I think more to come. So I'm going to ask you a few questions now that I ask everybody, tell me one thing that you love.
1: Oh, such a loaded question. Um, I mean, you know, I love my kids, of course. And <laughs>
0: yeah. Let me start with this again. Tell me something other than your family <laughs> that you love.
1: I, I love to travel. I love that experience of kind of getting out of our regular circle and routines and experiencing something new and discovering the food and people and culture there. Um, if I could do nothing else for the rest of my life, it would definitely be travel.
0: And tell me one thing that you really cannot do without in the kitchen.
1: Oh, I love my little egg skillet. That was <laughs> It's this cute little single egg skillet. It's yellow and it's perfect for making one single egg, which I think eggs are magical and amazing. And I could literally talk about eggs for another half hour. But I like to put an egg on everything like can't live without it. Yeah,
0: I love that. Have you ever had fresh eggs? Like
1: yes, yes, they're unbelievable. Unbelievable. And fresh duck eggs, honestly, are even better. Ooh. I know they start to carry duck eggs in the grocery stores, but they're not the same as duck eggs from the farm.
0: Have you ever gotten like I in mean, on a farm, and they're warm, and you put them in a little cloth, and then you and the yolks are incredibly orange.
1: Yes, it's a sauce in itself, nature. Getting very excited. Um, <laughs>
0: and last question: Tell me about. One of your all-time favorite food related experiences?
1: Well, one that really stands out for me is is fairly recent. we've We've done a couple of travel with the members where we've organized some trips and and the last one we did was to Willamette Valley, which was amazing. And
0: that's in it's outside of Portland and Oregon.
1: We took about sixteen members from Seattle and Chicago. This was before Denver was open and did a bunch of wine tours. I mean, it was a fantastic long weekend, and we went to a place called um, Middle Ground Farms, and they have a kitchen there. One of the barns is converted into a huge like display kitchen, and we went there. It was gorgeous. I mean, the grounds are beautiful. They've got a little terrace that you could just sit, and they gave us a welcome cocktail, and then we cooked our meal together with them. And then sat around together and it was all family style and we had the local wine along with it and you know that was definitely like a penultimate like farm fresh food local wine amazing people like the views everything it hit on everything um it was such a great time that's awesome
0: yeah that's our show this week thanks to kim bossy co-creator of birch road as always Big thanks to Cranes Ali Marati. You can follow her reporting on the restaurant beat at chicagobusiness.com. Check out our show notes for links to all the places we've talked about. The Dining Table with David Manilow is produced by the awesome Todd Manley at Cranes Audio Studio. Take a moment if you can to give us a rating and review. That's the best way for others to discover our conversations. I'm David Manilow. We'll keep feeding you all the good things in life.